Hey dads, you are listening to Abba Father Podcast, where we discuss how the Bible and theology informs and equips us as parents. We believe that the more we learn about our Heavenly Father and apply His teachings, the better it makes us as dads. Each episode, we dive into real-life parenting, then we zoom out and look at God, His Word, and His actions, and zoom back in to find an application we can use today to make us better fathers. If you want to support us on patreon.com slash abbafather, that would be great. But hey, dads, if you are not supporting your local church, please do that first. We want to support the churches that are around us. And so um, if you are finding a good community and local church to invest in, we highly suggest you do that first. If you want to find a community of dads just like you, um, go to facebook.com slash abbafatherpodcast. The page is there, but we also have a community just for dads where we can continue the conversation and have new ones. Also, rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt. I'm Brando. And I'm Cameron. Today we're going to talk about death. Scary. <laughs> okay, so last week I was having a conversation with my son Asher, and I found out that our kids during uh, school time had been reading a story about um, Screamer the Mountain Lion. And uh, in the story, there's little Screamer um, is a is a baby mountain lion, and he has a little sister mountain lion and a mommy mountain lion. And uh, the kids have been going very attached to these characters in this story. And um, one day, I came home from work, and and they're telling me today the mommy and the sister got shot by a hunter in the story and uh my son asher was very um distraught he really didn't know how to handle that he was he was really he was very angry he kept talking about how angry he was at the the that stupid author he shouldn't have wrote that he shouldn't have wrote that and he was so he was so mad that that these characters had died so he wasn't mad at the hunter he was mad at the author (laughs) right and which the the meta analysis that he was going through was pretty interesting uh wow because we were trying to explain it's just a story buddy like it's not it didn't really happen and he's like well yeah but he shouldn't have wrote that because it made me so sad hmm. and uh and so you know we tried to talk about um we tried to talk about so man like why are you so upset right now uh you First, I tried the the method of saying, you know, why why are you upset? You guys read Little House on the Prairie all the time, and and the dad shoots mountain lions on in that book to keep them from killing his chickens or hurting the family, and uh, and he's like, but it's different because they aren't the main person in the story. Hmm. Wow, and uh, you know he. He had just really connected with these characters, and he was really just struggling with their death. And uh, and so, and it didn't seem like anything I was trying was helping. Like, I was trying to, well, it's just a story, that a stupid author. Or, you know, you see death in this story, and it doesn't bother you that much. And he's like, well, that's not the main character. And then, you know, we start talking about... Um, asked him like why is it upsetting you so much and he's just he's saying he 
it came down to he was he had connected with these characters, these mountain lions, and now they're dead, and he was really having a hard time processing that reality. And I just started to talk to him about how you know, Asher, death is real. Like this was just a story, but that's life, buddy. Like, um, but the 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 thing is, is this hurts you right now, and you're angry because death is a part of life, but it's our enemy. And I told him, you know, death is not supposed to happen. That's not what God wanted to happen. You know, you're mad at death, and God is mad at death. Hmm. And I said, and you know, the good i the the great thing about it is we have hope beyond death. And I said, that's I and I I saw it. I feel like the Holy Spirit was was bringing things to mind in that moment because when I started, I was starting with. You know, what about you read this story and you read that story? And then it was like, as I s- slowed down, I was able to remember, you know, hey, this is a gospel moment. Like, buddy, you know, the most important reason why we believe in Jesus is because we will all die. And Jesus took death. It says, the, the Bible says that Jesus defeated death so that everyone who has faith in him will be raised to newness of life once we die. And and I was like, and there'll be a whole new, God's going to make all things new. There'll be a whole new earth for you to, to live on and all kinds of animals alive. And then he started getting all excited about having a pet mountain lion <laughs> and thinking about, and I said, you know, the Bible says that the lion will lay down with the lamb and there will be no more bloodshed and no more death in the new heavens and new earth. So like there'll be all kinds of animals and they won't be attacking you anymore. So you can have a pet mountain lion if you want. <laughs> you have a pet wolf and tiger and whatever. She bears. And he was super. He was she bears. <laughs> yeah. And he was super oh, excited That's about cool. that. He was all That's jazzed really cool. up. So uh, he was excited about the resurrection after that, that inter- encounter. That's good. Yeah, I think that's interesting, uh, Brando. I um, I was actually reading Quest uh, Philippians every now and then. I I got a Bible in her room, and whenever I'm um, reading a book to her at night, occasionally I just pull out the Bible and we just read from a, a chapter. Um, this time it was really without any agenda or without any plan. I just opened up the Bible and found thumbed through, found Philippians, and started reading. And I got to the part where Paul talks about how he desired death um, while he was in prison, but because to die is gain and to be with Christ, and yet he is still here. And so, um, you know, to continue to encourage the Philippians and um, that he has basically work left to do on this life, even though death would be so amazing because of being able to see and be with Jesus. And 
so I kind of moved on from that and uh, Quest for the next week or so was pretty preoccupied with death to the point where the other the like two nights later I'm putting her down to bed and we're praying and then she says I hope I die and see Jesus I'm like I, uh, uh, <laughs> all right good night yeah I'm like, no, no you don't hope that you die but then uh, but then I'm like in my head I'm going but wait Paul just said that and I just read that to her from the Bible like this is so confusing to her right now and you know because he she took it so mm-hmm. literally and Paul meant it very literally but you know it was hard in her mind to think you know I should just desire death while I'm here and so we kind of talked through it and um, I told her you know you shouldn't you shouldn't wish death upon yourself remember Paul said no I'm I'm still here death has not come so you know we, we still have work to do God has a plan for you and has a purpose for you right now to continue to be alive so that you can do work for him and then the next night we were praying and she I don't know how it came to her mind um, she said she I asked her what she wanted to pray for and she said she wanted to pray for people that didn't have access to water and had to like walk long distances to get water and um, that like you know didn't have it in their house and I was like yeah yeah let's pray for that that's awesome so we're praying and then she interrupts me and says God I hope they die so that you can take care of them I'm like, mm. oh, okay, pause prayer, <laughs> you know. Um, wow. Okay, Quest, we, mm, yeah, heavy. I was like, okay, Quest, we have a a job to do on this earth, and that is to take care of those people. Yes, you are totally right. You know, if they if they did die, God will take care of them, but they are not, and so we still have a job. And that is while they're alive and while we're alive, we need to reach out and be the hands and feet of Christ and, and try and help those people the best that we can. It was so, you know, I'm thinking, man, this like this idea of dying to be with Jesus and how amazing and glor- like glorious that would be really took, took, that, took that like that innocent heart of a little girl and she took it so seriously and she's just like yeah dying would be awesome and so it would be awesome for everybody else too because they got to be with jesus isn't that cool like wow like i don't know there's that childlike faith yeah it's such an interesting perspective well and i think that perspective is there because they're they're little children and they don't they don't really know what death is i think that's fair that they don't maybe really understand the gravity of death i uh, Lucas is f- just turned four last week, and so for us, um, the only times that he's heard death or dying has been like when he's been playing with his toys, or his buddies have probably said it at school. And so, in recent months, when he's been playing make believe or whatever, and he gets knocked over, and he says, "Well, I just died, or I'm dead," or he's playing with Spider Man and. Mysterio or whoever he's got, he's talking about dying, and I'm like, no, 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 he just got knocked out. Cause I try to trying to avoid like this real violent language, mm-hmm. and uh, especially when he's this little. But uh, recently, Jody and I did talk to him about death at the dinner table um, because I think he said something about it, and so we thought, okay, well, let's just talk about it and. When we, when we talked about it, 
his immediate response was like a positive. So kind of like Quest. Um, almost a little bit of excitement. And he immediately like blurted out, yeah, because uh, Jesus died on the cross. And so for him, I think his the only thing he's been taught about death has been the good news surrounding death. That it was a good thing that Jesus died uh, because he loves us so much. And um, he didn't mention anything about being with Jesus at death like Quest did. But I think for the for these for these little ones, um, they don't understand maybe the gravity of it. For us, we haven't had a a real close death in the family since Lucas was just barely two, and so he doesn't remember that. He wasn't um, old enough to feel that or really walk through that like the rest of the family did. And so, you know, I I do want um, him to understand, like you mentioned, Brando, that death is unnatural, and it's it's truly a sad thing that we have to experience. And of course, we balance the truth there that to be to to die in Christ is to be with Him for for all eternity. Um, but I'm always a little um, trying to bring that balance into conversations, like when I'm teaching at church, and somebody says, "Oh, well, you know, my husband died, and I didn't even mourn." And it's like, well, that's interesting to me because death is not good and mourning is a natural way that we respond to that that parting that for us feels so permanent and and like you said brando is the enemy that christ defeated on the cross but hasn't fully and finally defeated um in our reality yet so it's it's quite the topic death is especially when we're talking about our little ones, helping them navigate those conversations. looking into you know communicating death to the our kids um we found this amazing article by the gospel coalition i'll include a link to the article in our show notes and it really it covers really some fundamental truths um about what death is and how to communicate it well to our little ones and so the first one it's there's a five tips and the first is death and judgment are coming to us all. And I, I appreciate this because we we do tend to um, associate death itself as a, a very negative and very kind of evil term or, or something that we, we don't want our kids, you know, kind of to experience, which so try and protect them. But it is coming and we don't want to. Um, avoid them and think that this life avoid that and think that this life is all that there is we need to set some reasonable expectations so that they know this life is fleeting and we are in a state a fallen state where um, we 
we know that death is inevitable, and every day that we're walking through takes us one step closer. And there's judgment for us as well, that not only is there death, but also judgment afterwards, and that our children know that in Jesus that we will be judged as righteous because of his sacrifice so they can have have hope in this inevitable kind of bad thing. Yeah, I think for me, um, as I'm striving to raise my boys in a godly fashion, the resurrection is just going to be around every corner for us. We're just going to be talking about it, um, seeing its uh, reality um, all around. And so I always go to and gravitate towards resurrection passages and because as we talk about death, we ought to, uh, we I, we must keep the conversation about resurrection mm-hmm. um, in our right hand. You know, as we talk about death in our left. And First Thessalonians four, thirteen, uh, they're concerned about those who've died because some have said, some are going around saying that the resurrection's already happened, and they're they're really concerned. And Paul says, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do. Who have no hope, and of course he goes to on to describe just that incredible passage of Christ returning, uh, like a king comes back to his land, to his town, to his kingdom, and uh, the incredible scene that that is of the resurrection, and that um, they uh, do not have to be mourning like the world mourns of those who have no hope, and in our conversations of death, which is like Matt said, it's something we want to try to avoid a lot of times because it seems like such a negative and hopeless topic. Oh, we are not those that don't have hope. So keeping the hope there is going to be important for us. Yeah, and that leads, I think, really well into point two and three in the article, which point two is death is not the way it's supposed to be, which is giving the hope. It's inevitable. It's also not the way it's supposed to be. So it's okay that we get sad and we mourn about it because that's that's natural for us to to be in distress that when we are operating or we're experiencing things that are different than the way that God intended and God created and so to to be okay with the understanding that death is not the the way that was that was intended by God and then death for Christians is to be with Jesus that's point number 3 so we're telling them death is inevitable it's not the way it's supposed to be and death for a Christian is to be with Jesus. And that goes back to that verse in Philippians I was reading to Quest that there is, we do have a hope, and that hope is in Christ, that even though death is not, it's inevitable and it's not the way it's supposed to be, we do have a hope in Jesus through that. And then number four, death will one day die. There's very good news in this. In 1 Corinthians 15, 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And the article says, when the already collapses into the not yet, death will be history. And this is cause for rejoicing. This is a choice opportunity to commend Christ to your children, to urge them to flee to the cross where death was defeated and mercy is found. That's great. That's good stuff right there. Not really in preparation for this podcast, but uh, in retrospect, I realized that it kind of was. 
but I watched uh, an episode of this show called Mind Field. Uh, I don't know if you heard of it. It's they're not a sponsor. Uh, it's on YouTube. Um, uh, but it was an episode about death, and I just watched it last night. Oddly enough, um, but uh, it was this guy, and his YouTube channel is called Vsauce, and he's super intelligent. He's uh does a lot of science and mathematics and uh, really interesting videos about psychology and, and the brain. And But this episode about death, and this guy is approaching death from a... He's a secularist. He's a, a materialist. And so he's approaching death, and, and the, the episode's titled, Should I Die? And, and he kind of hits it with two perspectives. Should I Die? He talks... He interviews um, several people, but the two main people he interviews is one lady who's a uh, a mortician, which she didn't share what uh, her viewpoints are, but I kind of got the vibe that she was also a secularist, just trying to help other secularists come to terms with death. That it, it and and her perspective was, you know, it's a natural part of life. It, it was the kind of uh, Lion King circle of life mentality of, you know, you you die and you return your atoms and molecules back to nature where they came from and um, give the resources back to the people that need them and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and her whole deal was trying to, you know, death is a part of everyone's life. It's, it's an okay thing. It's, it's something we should embrace. That's not the Christian worldview. The Christian worldview is that death is the enemy. That death is not something that we should just accept as uh as normal and great and I mean on one level we need to accept it because it's going to happen but on another level it's it is something to be mourned but then the other side of this conversation this guy was having was with a guy who was part of a business that their whole business was cryopreservation uh, and they would sell these people cryopreservation vaults where they could you know preserve their heads or their or their whole bodies in the hopes that someday in the future science would have advanced enough to to revive them and give them you know maybe indefinite life that's not just and, in sci-fi movies that's that's real no and that's the crazy thing like and that's one of the things the host said he's like this seems like something out of a sci-fi movie which I'll just put in a plug for my favorite book, uh, That Hideous Strength by C.S. Lewis, uh, where a guy's head gets preserved. Go read it. It's great. He He's like, no, but this is real. Like people, they, they showed like these operating tables where they like, they didn't remove just the head. They removed like down past the collarbone and uh, they would cryo-freeze. And when he interviewed the president of this company, he was basically like, death isn't something we should accept. He was asked the question, do you think we'll lose, we lose something by losing death? And he said, you know, do we lose uh, the passion and the, the urgency of only having one life to live? Um, do we lose, because that was one of the things that the other the lady had talked about who was a uh, mortician. She was talking about, you know, death is what gives our life purpose and meaning because it's over. You know, if, if you didn't ever die, you'd think, well, I'll wait and do that in 200 years. You know, you'd procrastinate everything. But, uh, the guy, the, 
cryo freezing guy was basically like, yeah, we'll lose something just like we lost something when we lost slavery. We lost uh, wow, smallpox and like he like he it's was, just a sickness to be uh, cured. Yeah. And so there's just stark um, difference there. And of, he didn't have right. he didn't have First Corinthians 15 in mind when he was saying that. I'm guessing. No, he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. But he had a hope, a secularist hope, a materialist hope that death would someday someday be defeated. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's also not the Christian worldview. the The Christian worldview is not that mankind will be God and will figure out how to avoid death one day. Right. And there was at one point the guy said, he said, he he said, I choose to die. He made his choice that he was going to not go this cryo freezing route, but he was going to to come to terms with death. And I just thought, no, you don't. All the Christian <laughs> worldview inside me goes, no, you don't. You didn't right. choose to die. Like it is appointed unto man once to die. And then comes the judgment. Like, mm-hmm. Sure, I would like to cryo-freeze my body just to see what's up in the future, but yeah, there's no hope. Like, eventually we're going to die. You know, there's one person who did that, right? Who? What? Steve Rogers, Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Rogers. That... So thank you for bringing that up because that reminded me of the verse. It's it's uh, actually a prayer from uh, Moses. It's in Psalm 90. And it goes very much against the grain of that kind of idea of let's beat death as within my own strength. And it says, I'm reading from uh, verse 90, uh, chapter 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. That is a, mm. that is a dangerous pr- scripture to pray for yourself. You know, teach God, yeah. teach me how bre- brief my life is so that I can be wise. That's, you know, it, that's, it's hard to come to terms internally with my days are numbered. God, you know what those number is, what that number is and teach that to me, teach me the brevity of my life. So that I can grow yeah. in wisdom. Because when you think that I'm going to beat this someday, my life isn't brief. My life is, my the death of my life is uh, something that I can fix or per, or prolong or something. You're not gaining in wisdom there. And to ask God to teach you how brief your life is, you know, that's, that's almost a prayer you don't want to come true sometimes, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that leads to the fifth point, death is something that we must think about. We should not avoid that with our our children. We don't want them to to be focused on it. And that's something that I I saw that tendency in Quest to really be focused and kind of obsess about it is like that's the solution to people being with Jesus is just they should all die. It's like let's not do that, but teach God teach us the brevity of our life so that we can be wise. And that wisdom is knowing we should act, we should help. We we should not pray for the death of people so that they can be with Jesus. 
that 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 being wise in that moment is knowing I'm here and I have work to do. And as Paul is saying, I I I long for death because he's you know he's suffering, he's in chains, and he wants to be with Jesus, but he, and he longs for that. But he knows there's that wisdom part, the brevity of my days. And that fact that I am alive gives me the wisdom to know that I still have some work to do. That's why I'm writing this letter to you, Philippi, to encourage you and to say I'm not done yet. And after this, I have more to do Yeah. until I get to be home with, with Jesus. There is, uh, yeah, there's an unhealthy fixation on death. And then there's a healthy... Um, wisdom in acknowledging it we it's like um yeah it's like teach us to number our days but at the same time uh we the scripture says that mm-hmm. god has put placed eternity in our hearts we we desire to live forever uh that lady was on to something when she said you know the that when she said to f- that the fear of death provides passion and urgency to our lives, she was onto something. Um, that is, that's that biblical wisdom of, of numbering our days. And, uh, I'm, I'm discipling a guy in the church and, uh, we're reading through John Piper's don't waste your life together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that book, I read through the first chapter again today, and uh, and that book. Does it um, make you feel guilty for even doing this podcast? <laughs> no, but the <laughs> things that I would probably do if I wasn't doing this podcast, I feel guilty That's about right. <laughs> sitting on YouTube and whatnot. Uh, just this thought. Uh, he mentions a quote in that book. Um, that his parents had a little plaque when he was growing up and it had a quote that said only one life will soon be passed only what's done for Christ will last and uh that is that has got a that that is a true statement that that encapsulates i think both sides of that conundrum it's there's only one life and it and it ends but the things that we do for Christ and the thing, if we have this eternal mindset, those things can last and there can be eternal, um, life. And we actually have painted a huge sign with that, um, with that phrase on it in our, in our entryway. So as we leave the house, we can see that and think only what I do for Christ is going to last today. And thinking about, um, trying to make an impact and make things matter because we, we do die. We all die. It's a reality. The materialist has no answer to, to it, but we have an answer is that Christ has overcome the grave and we will raise with him and our children need to know that hope. And I think, you know, you guys talked about your kids were like excited to die because of Jesus earlier in uh, my, my dot, my four-year-old, that's kind of still what she says. Um, and I remember when Asher 
said something similar. Um, I think there's something to the concrete way that they think very literalistically and um, and like you said, maybe there's not a, a deep understanding of death, but at the same time, it is a childlike faith. Like we tell them the Bible is God's word. And then we tell them it says when we die, if we have faith in Christ, we're going to raise like him. And they believe it, you know, and they're like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. Um, we could all use a little more faith like that. Okay, Dad, so here is the application. Death and judgment is coming to us all. Don't be afraid to share that with your kids. Um, It is a negative and sometimes mournful thing to discuss, especially when there's a death in the family. Um, But it is not something that should be avoided. That way they don't have a false expectation of what our life is about and how long it is. But we all know that death is not the way it's supposed to be. So share with the kids that this death is an enemy. And with Jesus, we can um, see death as defeated. And we know that at one day, there is very good news that the enemy death will be totally destroyed. And we will have eternity with Christ. And so we encourage our kids to... Um, not obsess about it, but to understand that um, life has its brevity, and we know that Jesus uh, gives us hope that death, our enemy, will be destroyed. And we pray that God will teach us the brevity of our days um, so that we can become wise. One other thing about the uh, topic of death as Christians um you've probably all been to a funeral service where you're not quite sure if they really knew Christ. And the message is basically, we know where they're at, it's all great, and it's like, uh, I'm not sure there's a lot of hope here because of the life lived. And one piece in this uh, article that he, um, Dr. Robinson ends with, is what do we tell our kids about those who die apart from Christ? And he said the thing that he tells his kids and tells his family is that they're in God's hands. And he says, you know, this isn't a cop-out of of universalistic leanings of maybe they're all saved. It truly is kind of placing the trust and the conviction in in God's sovereignty. And that way we don't have to come up with some thing to tell our children some false hope exactly it's a false hope or the other side of of because we don't truly know probably a person to person but just you know pushing our kids to trust trust god's justice and all that will not the just judge of all the earth do right it's the it's the scripture we've we've talked about are you asking because the answer is yes brando no i'm not asking Abraham oh, asked. oh the scripture. Gotcha.
Okay, let's move on to Count Let It Go, where we talk about something unrelated to the podcast that we just can't get out of our minds. A little thing that we can't let go. Brando, you got something? Yeah, I do. So, a couple weeks ago, I uh, our pastor had surgery, and so I was in charge of filling in the pulpit. And I preached from John 15 about the uh, the vine and the branches and uh, the importance of abiding in Christ. And this whole week, it's like I've just been reminded of uh, this truth that the one of the biggest parts of abiding in Christ is abiding in His Word. It's what He says. If, if, if you abide in Me and I in you and My words abide in you, you'll bear much fruit. Um, and a, and a guy, I was looking through some notes of mine and, and a guy that I really respect once said, um, our relationship with Jesus is our relationship with his words. Um, there's basically, there's no other avenue that we have to be in a relationship with Jesus. If we want to be near him, we need to be in his word. And, uh, just the supernatural nature of that is like, and the, and the, the half, the, the urgency of being in the word has been just sticking with me. Like I just, it's, it's something I think about every morning. I'm thinking about, man, that's the only way. That's the only way to get close to God is through his word. Okay. My can't let it go is a book that I just read called rooting for rivals. And it is, um, to me, it immediately made my top five list of most kind of influential books that uh, shape my thinking today. Um, I'll include a link to that in the show notes. Um, the idea that nonprofits and faith-based organizations and churches um, have a tendency to fight against each other or make rivals of each other and um, create competition rather than seeing each other as the body of Christ and building each other up is really, I think, challenging sometimes, especially in our more capitalistic culture and current um, kind of environment. And probably the one thing, the one challenge that just shook me was what if a fundraiser, a, a nonprofit organization held a fundraiser for another f- nonprofit organization or a church took up tithe for another church? Like nobody does that. But if you're in the body of Christ, that is all going to the same thing if we really think about it. And so that those kind of challenging thoughts, like that's that's a really easy way to kill pride, you know, doing things like that. And I just I, I love there's yeah. so many strategies in the book and I, I just can't I can't get those can't get some of those things out of my mind. Yeah. Okay, so for me it's kind of more of a personal conviction. Um I have been real passionate about apologetics since my college years and with apologetics um, of learning to defend your faith you ought to start looking at um, those who come against the faith and so um, I've been putting together a list that I haven't um, you know, revealed yet or, or kind of submitted yet to 
um, to my pastor for his review and that sort of thing. But a list of, of basically some men and women in the faith that I would recommend to people um, under my spiritual care at church. And um, also with that list of those I would recommend, um, a list of those that I would not. And it's kind of an intimidating task because in today's society, you don't tell people they're wrong. You don't tell people um, not to listen to somebody or you should avoid this person because in our culture and society, it's even crept into the church. Um, I believe what I believe and you can't tell me otherwise. But I came across this C.S. Lewis quote from his uh, book, Men Without Chests. And I had shared it a couple years ago, and then it came across my Facebook memory again, and it just kind of um, encouraged me once again to keep doing what I'm doing here to try to give folks some good resources and to avoid bad resources. And it says this, The task of the modern educator is not to cut down jungles, but to irrigate deserts. The right defense against false sentiments is to inculcate, which is to instill, just sentiments so whether it's with our kids or whether it's with those in our our christian circle our our goal isn't just to um cut down those those negative or those wrong things that we're hearing or those influences but it's to instill the right thing and to instill them clearly and often and um boldly and so that's what i'm trying to do with this list that We'll eventually probably get onto my Facebook page, but um, yeah, I just I can't let that go right now. I'm excited to see where that goes. Would you share that with the Abba Father community when you're all done? Yeah, sure. All right, thank you guys for listening to Abba Father. You can connect with a like-minded community at facebook.com slash Podcast. Also, please take 30 seconds to rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. If you find yourself applying or sharing anything we discussed today, please support us. We are busy dads with tight pledges just like you, and your support will help us make quality content. If you become a subscriber, you could also have your own story shared and wisdom discussed in our podcast. You could also potentially become a guest and help vote for future content or see bonus content not available anywhere else. Support us on patreon.com slash abbafather or click the link below in the show notes. And remember, dads, Romans 8.15, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received a spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Father.